Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and John Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Trevor, Trevor, Trevor. <laughs> Trevor, 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 Trevor. This was not me. <laughs> Although, is, maybe I should stake claim to it. It sounds a little bit better than me. What is this from? There's a guy on YouTube that literally will do a song. He just sings a song with anybody's name. Oh, for real? So I found it. I found him doing Trevor. That's awesome. <laughs> is that like an Austin or a Justin one? I'll have to check. I just what, found this one. What's wrong with Brent? Or Brent, too. But I'm thinking, like, well, no, because I, I, mean, no, I, well, no, I don't I get it. No, I was going to say, because, like, Justin and Austin kind of sound the same. So yeah, I figured, yeah. like, it had one of those. You got I mean, the Brent, two syllables. Yeah, you kind of by yourself, man. one syllable word? That's what I was saying, yeah. Although Trevor is two syllables. Oh, here we go. We're coming up on the end. Trevor. <laughs> How many views, Q's? Oh, like millions. Good for him. Good for him. That guy's making bank just doing that. Good for that guy. Good for that guy, man. That's awesome. That's the American dream right there. Well, Trevor Lawrence Town, here it is. It's a Trevor Town, officially. Uh, Well, I guess not really officially until April, but here we go. I do wonder a little bit. What does Trevor Lawrence think of all this? <laughs> you know, what does his what does everybody think? Are they watching this? Does he understand and grasp what's going on? Uh, it's it's pretty wild. It's it would seem over the top from his standpoint. I would yeah, I would yeah. get. But um, well, usually it's got to feel good to yeah. be loved, right? Yeah, to I mean, be wanted. Listen, I'm not sure if he's on Twitter. Like uh, an interview before said that he doesn't go on social media during the football season. Yeah. Now whether he's taking a little peek here or there remains to be seen, but for the most part, you don't really see him interacting right now. So. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting from that standpoint. Obviously, yeah. around here, everybody's got Trevor Fever, and then once in a while, you get the occasional, oh, yeah, either he's not going to be good, or you have so many other things to fix that you should trade that away for 15 <laughs> other pieces. All right, whatever. I uh, haven't had Trevor Lawrence, haven't had a quarterback, haven't had a franchise quarterback like this in Jacksonville, really, ever, to look at like this. Haven't had the number one pick ever. The Jaguars clinched that. And uh, 2021 NFL draft will be something. And the next few months are going to be something. It is a surreal feeling in Jacksonville. The last eight days have really been like that, capped off with yesterday afternoon. I've told the story on social media. I've said it again on our, our postgame show yesterday. But I was doing our postgame show live. And, of course, we're watching the Jets game, and it comes down to the wire. And underneath – now, we're up on, like, the, the Terrace Suites area of the stadium doing the show. And underneath – you know we're underneath kind of where Daly's Place meets, like, the underneath concourse – not the concourse, but, uh, like, where the field level, you know, where there are uh, concession stands yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and stuff right there yeah. in that south end zone, but For underneath sure. – the yeah, kind of like where like the the Daly's uh, gas station right, yeah, thing is, like right the, the store. Yeah, yeah I got so, you. So right in that area where there yeah. are TVs. And sure. so the TVs are obviously on the Jets game, and there has to be, and I don't even know because I couldn't see it, but I could hear every time something would go right for the Jets yeah. that that place would erupt. But, I mean, it sounded like there were 300 people there. My guess is there were about 50 people there at that time. But it was just wild to listen. Like, I didn't even have to look at my phone and see what they did next. I could see the reaction. I mean, hear the reaction. And uh, that's what kind of day it was. I mean, that kind of sums it up, you know, in terms of 
watching what was going on and scoreboard watching and also the unlikely nature of the Jets winning two games in a row mm-hmm. uh, and the the breaks that the Jaguars got over the last eight days. Think about it. The Jaguars not only get the Jets to win and beat a very good Rams team to open the door on this. The Jags keep losing. That was the easiest part, quite frankly. And then middle of the week, Cleveland has all its receivers with contact tracing COVID-19 plus other players. I think they had like nine guys out and all their receivers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so they're playing a Jets team that's now a little bit inspired, knows they're probably not going to get the number one pick anyway. So any thought of that? I mean, Jets are trying to win. They proved that the week prior. And then on Saturday, Chicago gets a little pick-me-up as well because Arizona loses. Mm-hmm. So if you think about just all those little things that happened in the last eight days to end up with the Jets beating the Browns on top of another Jags loss, which was expected, it's just amazing that the Jags have already clinched now. I mean, again, nine days ago, if you go back to last Saturday, the Jags were thinking about the number two pick. I mean, it, we didn't think the Jets would win a game. I mean, how did they ever lose to the Raiders that day? We never thought they'd win. They were the conspiracy theorists of maybe Bill Belichick doesn't want Trevor Lawrence in the division, so maybe <laughs> the Jets will beat the Patriots in the final week of the year. <laughs> and that's all you had to go on. Meanwhile, Jags are trying to win, but they look worse and worse week oh, after yeah. week after yeah. week. And so it flipped in eight days from number two pick to a little bit of hope. That could get the number one pick to a little bit of scared because you don't want the Jags to potentially win and screw it up now that you might have Trevor Lawrence. And now to clinching after week 16 instead of week 17. It's just a wild turn of events. Uh, I think it's uh, eight days that I'll remember for a long, long time in such an odd way. It's just an odd vibe in Jacksonville. But I say that, Austin, and I say I don't feel like, and again, 17 will be a lot like this, Mm -hmm. the playoff run. But outside of that, in my 12 years here in Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think this is second in terms of feeling like everybody is on the same page. Like everybody, the organization is like, hey, we don't like to lose, but we get that this is a big moment. This is going to help them from the business side, and it most likely should help them on the football side. And they have everything else going for They're going to have a new GM, probably a new coach. they got picks. they got money. They're in a really good situation. Shad Khan, who once said this would be the hottest ticket in town, the ticket's going to be pretty hot. For like sure. For the first time, the ticket might be pretty hot. So well, really the second time, because coming off the playoff year, it was hot too. And then the fans, who obviously fans are filled with such negative negativity toward the Jags because all the losing. By the way, the Jags earned that. It's not to blame the fans. Mm -hmm. But now there's this rush of positivity, even in a 14-game losing streak. I put a poll out last night, and I think we're up to like 800 votes or something. And I said, would you – so it wasn't a super small sample. It's a pretty good sample. Would you characterize this as a good season or a bad season for the Jags? Well, it's seventy percent good. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> people are fresh in the moment right now. Like, like, listen, um, whether it was is Gardner Minshew the guy or not? Well, we find that out, right? But there is a divide there. Uh, there's always been a divide, like whether it was Jalen Ramsey, whether it was Yannick Ngakwe, whether it was Tom Coughlin. There has always been a civil war within the Jaguars fan base. And the last time I feel like this city was on the same page to echo what you said was back in 2017. Now I think back in 2018 when they beat the Patriots, they got a little revenge at home. I think the hype and the expectations and the hope for this team had never been higher. 
Now we know what happened when when they went to New York and they traveled over there and they won that game and then all of a sudden it went downhill and all of a sudden all hope was lost. Minshew comes in, whether you bought in him or not, you were intrigued by him, he gave you a little hope, well then that, that hope has been lost. So we're seeing for the first time in a long time in the city of Jacksonville, everybody knows what's up. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback of this draft. Trevor Lawrence could be the best quarterback of any draft in the past 10 years, let's just say. Everybody realizes that. Now, obviously, he's got a lot of shoes to fill. He's got to do all this stuff, and I get that. And we'll get to that point. You have to get a new head coach. You have to get a GM, all this stuff. Like, it's not just, all right, we're here. Super Bowl, here we come. There's a lot of work that still goes into it. But for the first time, we can all agree that the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting the right guy at the quarterback position, and that's something you haven't said in the city in a long, long time. Well, the other beauty about the eight-day stretch is now that whole dynamic of from what we talked about last week, the players mm-hmm. and the coaches and the former players, and, and I would say people that just are so stuck on it. And, and by the way, that's not it. It sounds kind of negative, but people that were saying, "Hey, listen, I can't root for the team to lose." Like, and there are there are some people. That was out me, there. Brent. Well, yeah. In case you didn't know, yeah, man. But you, but you <laughs> say it from a player perspective. That's different. Okay. There are some people saying it from like a fan perspective. Still, like, I can't root for the team to lose. Yeah. Well, well that's on them. I mean, uh, well, and that's fine. I'm yeah. just saying. Like I said, I'm not ch- telling you. There's just that segment that was there. It, it was sure. a smaller segment. Then there was this vocal segment that was like, "I'm all in. Yeah, Give me yeah. um, go Chicago, right? Yeah. At least that 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 was an awkward eight days, oh. couple weeks of. of of feelings from a fan base, right? Mm-hmm. It, nobody had ever done that before. Mm-hmm. Again, there are some segments of a fan base that even when you're three and twelve going into the last week, you kind of hope you lose, so you pick fourth instead of seventh. But this was yeah. totally different dynamic in terms of this guy being available, the number one pick being available, the the absolute curiosity of the rest of the quarterbacks in this draft like Justin Fields given his poor play of late and Zach Wilson given his better play of late and what who would you pick number two all that stuff mm-hmm. and so that was an awkward time I mean it was a weird time it was, it was like a, a this big mixture of feelings going on in the fan base and so at least that part well, is over as well because was, now everybody yeah. can go all right on to 2021 yeah. you know? listen I mean <laughs> with the power of social media Feelings will always be amplified, and everyone's feelings must be heard out in the airwaves. So, yeah, I get what you're saying there. Where people were definitely were on the same page. I think the, obviously the crowd was for tanking was louder than the people that said we didn't want the, that team, you know, to lose. Whatever the case may be, but and listen, you knew where I stood on it, right? And I didn't want to see. Like, I, I've said my piece before. I don't got to say it again. But at the end of the day, like I'm not naive to the fact that Trevor Lawrence could be a game changer. And I think people that were cheering for the Jaguars to win understand that as well. So, listen, any other year, we would be sitting here right now with one win saying, now what? But for whatever reason, finally it seems like for this franchise, for this organization, the stars have aligned, and all of a sudden they get maybe a once-in-a-generational quarterback, right? Like the Indianapolis Colts have got a couple of those guys. Like I remember playing when Peyton Manning retired, and all yeah, of a sudden it's like you were involved they, they get Andrew Luck now. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the locker room thinking, like, how is that going to be fair? Like, <laughs> how, how does that happen? Yeah. How do you go from Peyton Manning to now this guy by the name of Andrew Luck where everyone's saying, it's going to be the next Peyton Manning? Yeah. Like, like that by was... the way, were the national guys saying, let's reinvent the way the draft works oh, when listen, that happened? Listen, we... <laughs> We can get to the national guys later because, I mean, 
We'll get into that later. Yeah, we will. So with that being said, though, like finally the stars have aligned. Because let's be honest. If we're in the two spot right now, we're talking Dwayne Haskins, we're talking Zach Wilson, we're talking Trey Lance. No one's competent. Yeah. Justin uh, Fields, not Dwayne uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dwayne. I mean, yeah, not Dwayne Haskins not anymore. Dwayne Haskins. I'm sorry, Justin Fields. <laughs> well, hey, I get him confused sometimes. My bad. Ohio State quarterback. Um, yeah, yeah. The, hey, uh... We're, by the way, let, we invite your calls today, uh, 904-362-9901. Phone lines are always open here on our show anyway. But um, hey, listen, this I feel like this is such a – this is a unique time. It's a, it's a cool time. You know, I've said this before. So we can argue whether it should lose, root for lose, and all this stuff. The bottom line is – and we can be fun with it. We can sing songs, and Trevor Lawrence is coming to town, and everybody's had this stuff. Did the you bottom, go to B-dubs, by the way, again, or no? No, we didn't go oh, again. The, the bottom line is it is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big, big deal. I can tell you this already since last week and especially last night into this morning, the Jaguars have had hundreds of deposits on season tickets already as they should. I can I think sports mania. I I think uh, we're doing a news story today and they are getting bombarded. Trevor Lawrence jerseys, Trevor Lawrence jerseys aren't even out. Yeah. The kid hasn't even finished his college career, hasn't even announced he's going to come out and go to the pros, which he will. But and that's the kind of buzz that is that you cannot understate it. You mm-hmm. know, I really believe that. And, and by the way, I also get ready for it, Jacksonville. And we appreciate listening to our show. But it ain't going away like this is going to be a four month march to that number one overall pick in April mm. in the 2021 draft. I mean, you're going to it's going to be breathing <laughs> Trevor Lawrence talk <laughs> because it's so unique, it's so different, and it really does. And I think this is what the fan base gets. I think the fan base really understands this has a chance to change the tra- trajectory of the franchise. It sure. does. Now, it doesn't guarantee it. Could be bad. I mean, he, he might not be as good as everybody said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw something today. Washington, you know, they cut Haskins. Yeah. Washington has taken 12 first-round quarterbacks. Mm. And I think the only one with a winning record is Sammy Baugh, who retired back in 1952. <laughs> I mean, there's no guarantee. We get it. For sure. But enjoy it. I enjoy it now. This is something different. I Listen, I understand the Jags aren't going to the Super Bowl next year. They have a lot of deficiencies. They have a lot of things to fix and help. But enjoy the Jags fan has been through so much mm-hmm. that enjoy this part. Give the middle finger to the national media if you want, you know. But <laughs> enjoy this part that you get some hope that's legit hope. Like, this kid is supposed to be legit. And if he is what everybody says from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and he doesn't retire like Andrew Luck did early, yeah, yeah. well, then we're in for something here in Jacksonville. Because the way the NFL works, you can build around that. Mm -hmm. You can can make mistakes and still be successful around that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because both of those guys had mistakes around them in drafts and offensive line, and they still won. And yeah. they were still successful. So if he is comparable to them, I'm not saying is them, but is somewhat comparable to them, which a lot of people believe and the experts believe. Well, let's hope they're right, because, yeah. again, you have to celebrate the fact that the Jaguars, who have been so unlucky at times in their franchise's history, I, I remind you, the last time they were in a prime position to, to reset 
and pick a quarterback was 2013. They had the number two pick, and there were no quarterbacks. There were no quarterbacks to pick. E.J. Manuel was the first quarterback off the board and the only quarterback off the board in that first round in 2013. He was taken 16th overall by the Buffalo Bills, and that ended up being a mistake. The next year, 2014, they have to reach for a guy and kind of a project guy in Blake Bortles because there were still not a ton of quarterbacks that everybody loved. So they reach and they reach for, you know, eventually the wrong one as it plays out. But in, and he was the, I want to say the only pick in the first 20 picks that year. There were more quarterbacks taken from 21 to 32 in the first round. I think there were a couple other ones. I, I gave that stat last week. Yeah, because you had Carr, you had Bridgewater. Carr was the second round. Bridgewater was late first round. Johnny Menzel. Menzel was 22 to yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, there you yeah, go. You yeah. just did it. There and you so go. you take those. Like That's what I'm talking about, unlucky franchise. Mm-hmm. You had two years where you were picking number two overall, number three overall. You need to reset the whole thing with a quarterback at some point in those two years. Yeah. And you have to reach for a guy because only two quarterbacks over the two years were taken in the top 52 picks. Mm-hmm. That's called bad luck. The next year, when they weren't picking that, they were picking fifth, I think, or maybe it was two years later. There's Mariota and Winston, mm-hmm. which were definitely way better prospects at the time. But the Jags, you know, they were picking third the next year. They, they, they absolutely were. And so they picked Dante Fowler because yeah. the quarterbacks were off the board. And by the way, that year, not another quarterback was taken until pick number 75 of the draft. So it was those two guys and nobody else. So now you're talking about a situation where the Jags get fortunate. They get lucky in a way that the Jets win a couple games. And not only that, they get lucky. There might be a generational talent at the position. It's perfect timing. Celebrate that, Jacksonville. We're going to. I mean, talk about it. You got the next four months to hopefully 12 years to talk about it here in Jacksonville. And I just don't think you can understate the importance of it to the organization, to the fans, and really to the feeling in this city that that could happen over the next couple months, couple years. See, it's weird because I sit here right now excited. I sit here right now intrigued, and obviously I sit here right now hopeful. But the player in me was like, we got Trevor Lawrence. We got our guy, and now it's next. Like, what happens next? Because when I say what happens next, we talk about a head coach or, you know, obviously a GM. And I'm leaning more towards the head coach, which I think you have done and a lot of people are doing right now in speculation. The point that I'm trying to make, though, is I think Trevor Lawrence could be too good to fail regardless of the situation that he finds himself in. And I think Trevor Lawrence will find himself in a situation here in Jacksonville where he has some pretty nice pieces. He has James Robinson. He has a pretty solid offensive line that he can maybe bolster up a little bit, but it's definitely not the worst in the NFL. You have a pretty good receiving core. So there's pieces all around Trevor Lawrence to be successful. What you need now is the play caller, is the offensive mind, and most importantly, the head coach that's going to set the culture and cultivate the best version of Trevor Lawrence. So I'm happy we got Trevor Lawrence. We're going to celebrate. You better believe it. But now my mind is going on to how do we make him the best Trevor Lawrence of all time? That's a great call right there. How do you be great now that you've been gifted maybe a generational talent? And by the way, when we talk about fixing the Jags, which I'm going to put an article out about this tonight or tomorrow morning, um, on ESPN690.com and on ActionNewsJax.com. And we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. But we've talked at length about it anyway. 
when you you need to make good decisions. And what I think with the Jags having all these picks, and I think the jury will still be out on what Dave Caldwell did this past draft, but next year with 11 picks, with all this money, and now with the GM and head coach, most likely the head coach, coming up in the next couple of weeks, it is incumbent on this organization to make, in my estimation, about 60 to 70 percent good decisions mm-hmm. to win and win big and win consistently. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? There's one decision you don't have to make. That's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That decision goes in the, listen, we'll all sign up for that. In five years, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't work out, that's on all of us. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. everybody in Jacksonville, 95% of Jacksonville, that's an approval rating of 95% yeah. on that pick. Okay? Mm-hmm. So everybody will miss on that. To your point, I agree with you, too. I think the floor of this guy is good. Sure. I don't know what the ceiling is, but I think the floor of this guy is good. Mm-hmm. That's a nice place to be. It is. Now you build around it. How do you make him great? How do you become great? And what are the next 5, 10, 15 years in Jacksonville going to be like? Those are fair questions. That's not a pipe dream. Might have been a pipe dream back in September. Mm-hmm. Might have even been a pipe dream last Saturday. It's not a pipe dream anymore to think of it that way. How excited are you about the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes coming to Jacksonville? Nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. I I think we talked about this last week, but why are we so in love with Trevor Lawrence? Why is his game so good? I keep I keep saying it. I keep hearing people say it, but why? Like, what really makes it? Whoa, this guy can be really good. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple of thoughts on it too, and that's not from a deep dive quarterback expert guy. But I've got a couple of thoughts. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But you jump in as well on social media, on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. If you listen on ESPN690.com, in your car, smart speaker, or anywhere else, 904-362-9901. We'll be back. More Trevor Talk right after this. It's a Trevor Town here in Jacksonville. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. I had braces. I still have my permanent retainer in. It's been knocked out twice. Brent Martino. So it's not once, stuck in there. Once, uh, <laughs> when, no, it's not stuck in there. It's not. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We go out there, we, we, we're fighting hard, and then all of a sudden it just, you know, we just can't sustain it. You know, I mean, when you look out on the field, um, you know, there's, there's, there's opportunities there. Um, you know, there's a third down play, there's a fourth down play where, you know what I'm saying, all of a sudden now that breaks that momentum and, you know, we can get the ball around the 30-something yard line and go and, you know, they, you know, they throw it to A-Rob and he gets the first down and, and it keeps the chains moving. And, you know, they did a good job of keeping the chains moving most of the day. I mean, I think they, you know, they had a, a bunch of first downs. Um, you know, they were able to make some big plays. We they were able to get behind us. We had some, um, you know, two pass interference calls, you know, that, that, that um, you know, gave them some big yards and we gave up some big plays. That's Doug Marone. I'm going to say it one final time. Hit me with no, no, I'm going to say two things. I, that's probably won't be the final time. I said, yeah, Doug's done a great job handling it. Okay, great. <laughs> that part. That old chestnut. No, this will be a criticism of him. Uh, again, I, I, think he, I think he gets what it is. So it's like, I think a part of like Doug is like, why throw a temper tantrum here? And, and why be exasperated with everybody? And you know me. I, I strongly feel that Doug Marone learned from the Buffalo experience in a big way. Mm. Like I, I don't think you can understate that. And I don't know if anybody even cares about that, quite frankly, in Jacksonville. I think it's a fascinating story. And it might just be me. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. But I read those articles coming out of Buffalo, man. And it was like, whoa. And to see him, I, I think the hardest thing to do 
is change. Now, I don't know if that was Buffalo's reaction or if Doug has changed. I don't know that answer. But I do think he's aware of it. And I think, again, he's going to leave this place after next week. And, I mean, they're not going to throw him a parade. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be this appreciation for Doug Marone, who, by the way, had – I didn't feel like there was that appreciation. There was no appreciation for, like, Gus Bradley when he he left. And Gus a great guy. Uh, But – I just feel like the fan base has a little bit of appreciation for Doug, even though his record's probably similar over the last three years to Gus's. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, you know, It's a, in, and I don't know how to care. It's just, it's one of those things that's really, um, again, I think it's interesting. I don't know if anybody else cares about it, but it's just this crazy dynamic of covering it and watching it unfold over the last few years. So when Doug Marone left Buffalo, yeah, that left a lot of uh, you know bad taste in people's mouths. Now, yeah. I'm not sure what exactly transpired. All I know that it wasn't that great, right? So Doug Marone comes to Jacksonville. Um, you know, then Tom Coughlin comes to Jacksonville, and I think we get the sense that Doug Marone kind of took a backseat to Tom Coughlin in how the way the culture was going to be ran. We saw what happened there. It was grievance gate. Coughlin gets fired. Then Doug Marone's got a chance to finally kind of implement his philosophies, his personality on this team. Now, with that being said, go ahead and say, yeah, this team played hard, yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, you've seen the record, and yeah. you know what it is. It's a performance-based business. And they blasted late in the season. Exactly. But it's a testament to the next coach that comes in here, and even the next GM that comes in here, what you have to be about right now in the modern era NFL. Okay, and I say this all the time, and I will repeat myself until the cows come home. You have to be able to adapt. Doug Marone, he lost progress, all right? He, he, he took a step back in Buffalo, and he had to regain ground. Now, when that new coach comes in here, and whether he's an old head coach or a new one, whatever, they've all had some kind of discrepancies. They, they, they've all kind of been in a place where it wasn't going good. The most important question you can ask those people is, what did you learn? What did Doug Marone learn in Buffalo? Well, you can say for what you want to say, but the main part is that he adapted when he got to Jacksonville. And that's the biggest part. You have to adapt. You have to grow with the times. The the, the times of sticking to your guns, being old school, doing gases after practice, all that stuff, that time is done. Okay? Bill Belichick and maybe like a different coach out there have that last card. And, and then it's done. All right. Like once Bill Belichick retires, so does the old school way of doing things. That's gone. So until that time, until that time happens, Bill Belichick, you got to have new guys that come in that are willing to adapt. And I think Doug Marone did a good job of adapting this year. But obviously, you didn't see it translate on the field because they have one win right now. Yeah. Listen. Uh, so that that's the Doug Marone part. The, the part I was going to get to is this is the last time I'll say it this year. Is I've been waiting for someone to kind of throw a temper tantrum along the way. I mean, this has got to be so miserable. Mm. And and now you've actually got people in the stands and everything like that rooting for you to lose because they want Trevor Lawrence. It's gotten that bad. And by the way, the Jags made that bet. There's nothing on the fans. But I've just been waiting. And then we see a guy like J.J. Watt yesterday. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. You know? And, and it's like... Swearing. I'm not going to lie to you. I, like, I wait Cussing. for that. Cussing. Like, that's... That's how much losing stinks in the NFL. That's how much these guys don't want to lose. Of course. But where has that been? Are the Jags too young for that? They just don't have that personality on the team that's going to do that? Has Doug Marone been so even keel that he hasn't done that? Just We just went through the worst season potentially. Statistically, it's going to be the worst season in franchise history. And yeah. I didn't see one person blow up. But who, I didn't see one person blow up. Like, of course, but because who who that person be? I understand that. I'm there, just saying a that's JJ shocking. Watt in the like, no, man, because there's not a JJ Watt in the locker room. Okay, like, listen, there's a JJ Marone. There, there's quarterbacks who went through all these. Minshew went through stuff. No, I mean, but see, listen, JJ Watt has been in the league for how long? 
He's been in Houston for, what, since 2000? Yeah, so call it a decade, right? J.J. Watt at one time was the best defensive player in the entire NFL. Hands down. Maybe a couple years. What does J.J. Watt have to show for that besides a couple player of the year trophies? Does he have a ring? No, I think he's won one playoff game. How many division titles does he have? A few. A few. But uh, how many playoff wins does he have? One? No, yeah. I, I think one or, or two. Or one or two. Okay. So my point is, like, listen, J.J. Watt has put more work in the, in the league than maybe anybody, right? And what does he have to show from it from a wins and losses perspective? Nothing, because it's a team game. So, yeah, when J.J. Watt erupted yesterday, you're seeing 10 years of frustration. You're seeing 10 years of bust your ass go to absolutely nothing. You're seeing 10 years go to DeAndre Hopkins getting traded for David Johnson, a second-round pick. That's what you're seeing with J.J. Watt. And I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars have a player that's comparable right now in that locker room who have been through that much as J.J. Watt has had. All right, the question is out there. Why is Trevor going to be so good? Like, why is Trevor Lawrence – why do we think of him this way? Like, it's just such a narrative that we all piled on. Is this a snowball effect, or do we really believe this guy's going to be unbelievable? Now, listen, I show you the record. He's lost one game as a starting quarterback in college. Won a national championship as a yeah. freshman. The guy knows how to win. He even says, that's my best qualities. I know how to win. I love 41 that. straight games in a row in high school as well. I just saw someone on Twitter. Uh, it was Ben Wendell's, the Bartram Trail athletic director, and he brought up, um, something to the he brought up the game Cartersville played Bartram Trail back in 2000 and shoot I don't know 15 I think it was mm-hmm. and so they played Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. and Bartram Trail played him and so some of these people saw Trevor Lawrence then and somebody responded to him and said when we it was the best high school quarterback I've seen yeah. and you knew we'd be playing on Sundays in short order so back at Cartersville people knew that he was going to be that good and obviously goes to Clemson and he plays right away and he is that good. And so that's part of the reason why people think this guy's the real deal. Uh, not to mention six foot six, arm strength, checks the boxes, can run all the stuff. I mean, yeah. it, it really is hard to say, okay, what's wrong with this guy? We don't know him well enough from a mental standpoint, but where are his weaknesses? And I'm sure he has some. Let's go to the phone lines quick. Let's get Steven in here. And then we have Saqib uh, waiting on deck. Steven, what's happening, man? Hope you had a nice Christmas. Uh, same here. We got our final Christmas present, so it's ultimate Brent Martineau sunshine and rainbows. Should be. What a way to end the year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, my question for you guys is um, I read on Twitter that if the Rams lose their next game, and I think it's either the Colts or the Bears win, our pick actually moves to 18, yeah, our Bears. second pick. Yeah, Chicago has to win and the Rams have to lose, and then they would miss the playoffs and the pick would be number 18. Well, I'm going to throw out a situation because I'm not 100% sure they're going to re-sign Cam Robinson because he's been too inconsistent. Let's say we re-sign Smoot, Cole, and Sidney Jones because people like that pairing with Henderson and Jones. With that second pick, where do you go with it? Because I still doubt Pitts will be there. Uh, yeah, okay. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it, man. Um, I think there's a lot of there's ways to go at 18. Uh, what's that? I said there's a lot of what-ifs there for there, me. There's a lot of what-ifs, first of all, and there's a lot of ways to go. I, I think, I mean, I haven't given a deep dive into the draft of next year that far. I'm, I've been worried more about that top pick and what you're going to do at number two. Um, obviously, Kyle Pitts' name gets thrown out a yeah. lot, and I would not hate it. I, I would not hate building around my – 
now my franchise quarterback and mm-hmm. adding more. I think it's significant that they have to add weapons, whether that's in free agency, whether that's in the draft. I think they have to continue to do so, even though they like a couple of things that they have. They can't stand pat. So I'm a big believer in that. I also think their offensive line against other offensive lines in the NFL is better than people think it is. Yeah. And so uh, what they do with Cam Robinson will be an interesting part of that. But if they decide to go left tackle and upgrade their offensive line because they didn't re-sign Cam Robinson, sure, i sign off on that. If they got Kyle Pitts somehow, I'd probably get most excited about that, even though that might not be the smartest way to go, dra- drafting a tight end slash wide receiver in that spot. Mm-hmm. But I'd be up for it, and I, that would get the people more excited than anything else. The guy's legit, and I'm watching what Darren Waller's doing with Oakland. I'm saying if that's the comp okay, and yeah. we can do that, mm-hmm. then I'm giving my quarterback something that's really special mm-hmm. um, and, and watching them grow together over the next five years or, and maybe longer. So I Again, I see all that. If there's a big defensive tackle in the middle that you really love that's can't miss, although at 18, that's usually unlikely that he slips all the way down there. So that's what I'd probably be okay with a lot of different things because, quite frankly, the Jags do need a lot of help. No, I mean, listen, <laughs> this isn't going to be one year where Trevor Lawrence comes in to go to the Super Bowl, no. right? That this is going to be, um, it'll, it's going to take a while. But to answer Steven's question, why I say there's a lot of caveats, there's a lot of things that have to happen, we got to know what kind of defense they're going to play first. Right, yeah, and we have to know what kind of coaches they're going to bring in because, regardless of that, like then I can tell you, okay, they should target this guy, they should target that guy. Are they playing a three-four defense or a four-three defense? Like we have no idea yet, and until I know, it's hard for me to comment on that. Now the other side of the ball, the more sexier side of the ball, I get that. The offensive side of the ball, in terms of targets, to me, it's Kyle Pitts and everybody else, right? Because I think in free agency, sure, Hunter Henry's going to be there again, but are they going to take him for like what I don't know the tenth time? <laughs> they could very well do that, Jerry. Cooks there, but man, he's getting kind of old. John U. Smith, eh, I mean, I, I get it. Rob Gronkowski, I mean, come on, man. Like, we're not talking about the, the, the top tier, in my opinion, of tight ends. So if you have an opportunity to get a Kyle Pitts, I feel like you do it. Now, whether he's going to be there or not, by the time your second picks will be there, time will tell. But in terms of wide receivers, though, you have a lot more room to play around with that. You know, you have Chris Godwin, you have Kenny Galladay. Um, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, if you really want to go back there, it's the well again. I mean, there's a lot of options there at wide Sammy receiver. Sammy Watkins is out so there. So I'm going to focus more on tight end in the draft, but once again, it's really Kyle Pitts and everybody else, and maybe depending who you bring in, maybe a three technique. And keep in mind, there's a lot of... Uh there's a, a lot of receivers in the draft. I mean, even top-level mm-hmm. guys like Jamar Chase and also Devontae Smith. and mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of waddle, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like out there uh, in the draft in that first round, and you can see the Jags go in a bunch of different directions. Of course, around here, uh, from a media standpoint, I think from a fan standpoint, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, go offense, man. Let's go. Let's build that offense up. And by the way, uh, there's some proof that why maybe you should do that. Look at the Rams right now. They can't score. They keep losing, mm-hmm. even though their defense is best in the NFL. And mm-hmm. That's because they got an offensive guy that's not putting up any points. Yeah. And, and McVeigh, I mean, that's a problem. You got to build the offense. And I think they're proof of that. They might miss the playoffs having the best defense in the NFL this year. Think about that. We got Sakib on the line. Let's get to him before we break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Happy holidays, Sakib. What's up, boys? What up, man? Hey, man. You know, even though it's bad that we lost and it's horrible, we got the first overall pick. That's great. Doug Marone has been great with you guys, the media. You know, he hasn't lied to you guys that I've seen. I listened to all the press conference. He's done a great job with that. So I give him props to that. So I can't, you know, I can't hold him up to that. He's done a great job with you guys. But let me guys ask you this. Do you honestly think that the Jaguars will 100% fire 
Doug Marone on Monday, the Black Monday, where they call it, or you guys are not still sure with that? I'm uh, just kind of curious. Okay, so keep appreciate it, man. Thanks. Uh, I think it's yes, 100. Uh, percent I think I, I was going to say, well, I got to couch this and go 99.9, mm-hmm. percent but. No, I think it's I, I I think they're vetting other people out for that spot right now. I, I believe and I've said that I think the head coach and I know a lot of people are saying it now, but uh, this is one that I've said for a couple weeks that I believe the head coach will then pick the GM. And I think that means they're going after a head coach with experience and, and name recognition. Um, whether they spin the tires on a guy like Urban Meyer or go back to the Marvin Lewis's and now you're seeing the Jim Caldwell names pop up. Uh, I, I believe they have already put some of the work in on that. Uh, which there's a, you know, you got to be sensitive to Doug still being in that spot, and I want to be too. I'm just saying he doesn't survive this. There's no way he survives cool. this. And I think by the fa- by the time the, the the zeros hit the clock on Sunday afternoon, I think we'll get a statement from Shot Khan. Quite frankly, at at well, that gives at 4:25. So I think at 7:30 at night, I think we get a statement from Shot Khan saying Doug Marone has been relieved of his duties. Sakeeb, I've gone from 100% to 90%. If you listened last week, I said if James Robinson sits and for some reason Gardner Minshew doesn't start, my ears perk up a little bit. A red flag has been raised. So I'm at 90% right now because to me, if I'm Doug Marone and I'm trying to end my career in Jacksonville on a high note, I'm not sure why you play Mike Glennon over Gardner Minshew. Now, whether James Robinson's really truly hurt or not, I'm not sure. But I heard James Robinson Monday was saying that he wanted to play. So those are two moves right now that kind of make me perk up a little bit and say, well, is there a chance? Like, is he playing ball right now? Have they got to him? Is he the Manchurian candidate? I don't think so. I'm at 90%. But 10% of me says you never know. I like your conspiracy theories. I'm okay yeah. with that. I think he right now they don't like Minshew in that building. That's why he didn't start. And I think James Robinson has a high ankle sprain, and that's why he's not able to go, even mm-hmm. though I think he wants to. All right, we still have a lot to get to. Okay. What, what's up, national media? Change the draft because the Jags have the number one pick. Also, Urban Meyer, Jim Caldwell, names like Marvin Lewis floating around. Do you like any of them? We still have that to come as well on ESPN 690. Um, it was definitely an interesting week, but no excuse or anything like that. Like you said, we came out pretty well. I mean, it was a 10-10 ball game and then um, poor decision by me before the half. And then, you know, they got three points and, you know, it just seemed like it went kind of downhill from there. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't um, kind of recover from there. Were you surprised that Mike Glennon started? That was Mike Glennon, by the way. Were you surprised he got the start? I was surprised. Yeah, I figured Min- they were about to Minshew. Again, the book. The book. I-, I said it on Saturday once again. But the book for Minshew someday. Like it'll happen. There's going to be some kind of book. Yeah. And this year, the last month and a half, two months, will be incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I want to read it, and I want to see these practices. Where Glennon shining Minshew in practice, and then all of a sudden he gets to the game time, and it's like. Oh. I thought once again, I thought even without like James Robinson and, and everything else, I thought Glennon in the first like 20 minutes, I thought they called a good game for him. You yeah. know, I mean, they did a good job. First drive of the game. Nice call by Gruden. Nice execution by the Jags. They did a pretty good job. They go kick a field goal. And then obviously they end up tying it up 10-10. And hey, listen, I still thought that I texted somebody at that time. Listen, Chicago's going to score before the end of the half. They get the ball in the second half. I bet they're up by two scores in the next, you know, eight minutes of game action. Yeah. Um, and now I, they got a little lucky because Trubisky threw the pick and then Glennon threw the pick. But 
I just don't think he can maintain it without making some silly throws and mistakes. It's kind of like how I feel about Trubisky. I don't think Trubisky's very good. I think he's playing pretty decent football right now for him. But like how you make that throw in the end zone, like that he threw a pick on, is like whoa. Uh, and he his numbers looked way better than he looked, in my opinion. Uh, but I think Glennon's kind of like that. I think all these guys can be like that. They're like, okay, when's it going to turn ugly and turn bad? Um, it's still. Now, again, we got this week, Glennon or Minshew. I, I don't know how you don't go back to Minshew other than the fact that I think he's in such a doghouse with the coaching staff that I think they're just not playing him. I mean, I really do. Like, Glennon's, Glennon might play again just because I don't think they feel like Minshew's earned their trust or earned their whatever to play. And well, I think it's as simple as that. No, and that's fine. But let's be honest here. If you're Shad Khan and, you know, you're upper management, you're keeping these coaches here because you're planning for the future without them more than likely. So if you're planning for the future, well, guess what? Gardner Minshew is going to be here next year. Now, Doug Marone probably won't be here. Uh, Jay Gruden probably won't be here. But Gardner Minshew will be here next year in a backup capacity. So if that's the case and you have your backup quarterback, then play your backup quarterback. Don't, once again, take the ego out of it. Take the behind-the-scenes pettiness out of it. I want my backup quarterback getting as many reps as possible. Simple as that. Yeah, I agree. With that. So I was a little surprised he did play. And but again, this is so odd to to be doing a week sixteen competition in practice to play your quarterback. Uh, I think one of the biggest criticisms of Doug Marone at the end of the day will be how he handled the quarterback situations in Jacksonville. Now, I think it's also fair if I was defending Doug that I would say, "What were my options? You know, yeah. were they good enough?" But I still think I. In hindsight, they're going to be mismanaged. It's just the way the record shows. It's the way the, the play um, has been. Meanwhile, going forward, we, we got into this a little bit. We talked about it last week. In your opinion, what makes Trevor Lawrence so can't miss, so good, what you've seen? I, I know you haven't sat there and broken down like hours and hours of tape, but we've seen no, a video of him. But I've done a lot of research uh, behind the scenes on him because I was going to do my Trevor Lawrence knowledge every time the Jaguars had a positive play on Sunday. Oh, that. I, I was going to tweet some Trevor Lawrence knowledge, but I decided not to do it because it wasn't. I mean, I, I probably could have not because a lot of positive plays. We'll see what's up. Yeah. But what I like about Trevor Lawrence, you said it. Guy's a winner. Okay? Now, whether you want to talk about the work ethic, the skill set, um, it kind of gets all wrapped up into this, you know, this salad, if you will. And salad. Now, let's go a sandwich, if you will. And it's a juicy sandwich. It's an appetizing sandwich. And it's a winning sandwich. So you can say it's the work ethic. You can say it's the decision making. You can say it's the big arm. Whatever that is, he's a winner. And that's what I want. The guy has won everywhere he's been. Why not in the NFL as well? That's what I like about him. Yeah, most. I think the knock against again, there's going to be more than that, right? Because we've seen guys that have won a lot of games, Tim Tebow and others, not make it and be great. But um, it's still a good quality to have. Oh, yeah. The, the thing about, we talk about how many games he's won, and I could stop at, we talk about how many games he's played. I think that's a big part of it. You're looking at a guy like Dwayne Haskins get cut today. I think part of the reason he hasn't been that successful, how many games did he play at Ohio State? Was it like a one-year wonder thing? I believe it was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we talk about other guys coming in here before. Bortles was raw. Mm-hmm. Blaine Gabbert had hardly played football in his life. Forget Herbert about Justin College. Who? Justin Herbert played a lot. Herbert had played a lot. Yeah. And look at the success he's having, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tua. Tua has not played a ton of football mm-hmm. at, at Alabama, I don't believe. I don't think the games play. They're not going to be up in the 30s yeah. like like Trevor Lawrence. Burrow, though. Burrow played, didn't play a lot, and he had some and success. And you're right. He did have some yeah. success. So so I'm not saying it's a – but most of the time, yeah. 
guys that have played. I'd rather have a guy that's played a lot of football. He has experience, right? And by the way, that goes for any pick, any position. Hmm. I want the guy who's played a lot of football. I feel good about him adapting to this game quicker. Yeah, He's got an instinct about it. He's got a knowledge about it. He's been through the bad, the good. Not everything's been always great. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, I I love that part of him. And I do think if you go back and look at the COVID-19 stuff and how he handled all the offseason before they were even playing football, I think it says a lot about his character and his leadership ability, how he reacted and took control in that spot, too. Much like Justin Fields. I I like that about both of those guys. Uh, When we come back, should the draft change? Is the national media out of their mind? Are they out to get the Jags? What are we doing here? Next on ESPN 690. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.